0: where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matske convene to discuss the
1: greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin
0: our journey through Monsteropolis.
1: This is Monsteropolis. Are you recording? Okay, a show about (laughs) Anomalies, Legends, and Monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined as always by my pal, Mark Matsky.
0: Hello there.
1: Hi there. Uh, This is, again, a show about Anomalies, Legends. I do this when I'm looking at my phone and I can't uh, multitask. I start saying the thing I just said. So, um, anyway, this episode sort of kicks off a themed Period of time where we're Hopefully. where we're doing themed episodes. This yes. episode's all about headless ghosts, um, which we're very excited to talk about because headless ghosts are the best ghosts. <laughs> that's, the,
0: if that's not a musical number, that should be in some Broadway or Off Broadway production. That, I, I would that would play.
1: I have a long history of uh, loving. Headless Ghosts, mostly just the Headless Horseman. Yes. Who we all know from uh, Washington Irving's Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Hey, before I get to that, uh, go on YouTube and you can watch this show. You can watch it for free if you want to with ads, or you can watch it without ads um, by becoming a channel member on YouTube, which we uh, lovingly refer to as our squad, Small Town Monster Squad. Um, The other stuff on there, we have 4K episodes of Beyond the Trail ad-free. Oh, and that stuff's all advanced, too. The Beyond the Trail is, comes out about a week or more before the episode debuts for, for free. Um, and Bigfoot Project should be kick, kicking off before the year's end, too, on there. Um, 4K ad-free as well, advanced. And then sometime early next year on the trail of Bigfoot the Ridge will also kick off over there for squad members. Um, if you're excited about any of those things, become a squad member, become a channel member, because that is how we are able to actually make those series. So the, the YouTube has been fairly, um, has been growing very well, which is why we're launching new episodic stuff. And if you're into what we do, then become a channel member and you'll get access to lots of stuff. We'll have yeah and
0: no ads. Yes. I mean, if for no other reason, yeah, no ads, no ads, Um, no clicking through.
1: Skip, skip ad,
0: skip ad. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Watching with your finger, like hovering over the little box. I was going to, oh, am shit. I the only person who does that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Next week, yeah. Uh, production diaries will be filming for on the trail of UFOs night visitors, which is filming in Colorado. Oh so my. You'll get daily production, not daily while we're filming. Cause I don't think that's going to happen now, but uh, we will be uploading production diaries from each day of the shoot and you'll get to experience uh, much of Colorado, and that shoot is going to be abject insanity because I know even from the day <laughs> we get in at 6.30 at night followed by a two-hour drive, we are shooting two interviews. That, oh, nice. That first night. That's after, always fun. After a four-hour plane flight, picking up luggage and a car, mm-hmm. we are also shooting two interviews. Um, so
0: theres is there a lot of stuff going on in Colorado these
1: Colorado, days? Colorado... It is still one of the more active states, mm. I believe. Um, which you know, tied to those coal mines, also one of the most coal mines states in in the United it's very States. Mine-y. Very miny, very miny, mining all of my, <laughs> miner. I hardly know her. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut that part. Um, okay, headless headless ghost. I have to say, Heather was supposed to be here. She's not here. Heather had just written. She, she actually sent me this, so I wanted to bring it up. Um, Heather had just written uh, a contributing post for Into the radio.com about Headless Ghosts. Well,
0: what do you know? Did you know that? I had no idea.
1: Yeah, so um, it's all about Headless Ghosts. So I would highly recommend you go check it out. It's on... I'm trying to find... There's no freaking it's a title for this. What's going on? <laughs> That's just that's look true. for the headless ghost. Yeah, just look for headless <laughs> ghosts. Uh, the story of headless Mister Barlow is the one she she uploaded, and maybe I'll read it on this show just to steal her thunder. <laughs> um, show her to yeah
0: yeah stay home
1: yeah with six children. Take care how of how dare people. you? Uh, all right, do you want to start us off?
0: Well, uh, sure, I can do that. I thought you know since it's the Sleepy Hollow story mm-hmm. that I think was the the motivation to talk about this subject in the first place. There's some interesting stuff about that that is worth mentioning, Uh, beginning with the idea that, um, you know, when we went to Kinderhook, we were not that far away, really, uh, relatively speaking, from the general area where Washington Irving moved out to, you know, Fleeing the yellow fever, I believe, in New York City. That's what got him out to.
1: Mm-hmm. He had lost a fiance. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Moved to the Kinderhook area. Right.
0: And which then really, he started to uh, just embrace the pace of life there and the Dutch immigrant traditions, which is kind of where this story is born. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of strands that come together with it. But this Irving's role in it is really kind of neat because he's. Trying to, you know, he's functioning as an author and writing all these things down. Um,
1: I have and, multiple books about Sleepy Hollow yeah. and I did not get into them. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping at some point we can revisit this headless oh, yeah, absolutely. horseman thing.
0: And I think the the one of the major things that continues to be brought up about influences in Washington Irving is a real story of a Hessian soldier. Yeah. Who had his head blown off or was at least injured by a cannonball. Yeah. Yeah. And a Hessian, if you're not aware of what a Hessian is, Mm-mm. oh listener, is a German mercenary um soldier squad.
1: Say no more. Isn't that the best? Mercenary. Yeah. I'm in.
0: Yep. They were hired uh to come in by the British to do some of their dirty work. And so it was at the Battle of White Plains. In 1776, around Halloween, actually, and historical documentation exists of this actually happening. So it's not simply an urban legend about a nameless soldier. There was someone who, uh, Major General William Heath, in his Revolutionary War memoir in 1798, talks about this actually happening in White Plains, which was less than 10 miles from Tarrytown. Um, so that's, that's one portion of the story that almost certainly Irving would have heard about this and would have used that to formulate his story yeah. that he wanted to write.
1: That area in general is rife with ghost stories and there are actually other headless ghost stories. Um, I've got a couple of books just about haunted areas in the Hudson Valley in general, but the Hudson Valley is a, a it's kind of like the Chestnut Ridge in that it, it seems to invite all sorts of mm-hmm. varied weirdness. Yeah. So it makes sense that that America's, if not the world's most famous headless ghost, would originate in the Hudson Valley.
0: Yeah, and this is a time historically when, like the Dutch settlers in particular, their idea of a fun evening was yeah. to get together tell socially and tell these spooky stories. Yeah, Precisely. And Irving would have almost certainly been privy to those sort of social gatherings and would have heard things and been able to build his own story around this. And also there was really an Ichabod crane, yes, which I think is pretty cool. The, he, the,
1: the school system in, in Kinderhook is actually the Ichabod crane school system, <laughs> yeah. which is really cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he was a Marine mm-hmm. who had a long career in the armed forces, 45 years, which seems like an incredibly long time. hmm um, but the, the, it's a open question to, it, if he actually met Washington Irving and Ichabod Crane, they could have crossed paths, but there's nothing, no documentation that survives. Well, that we, it says they, they met each other.
1: We know that one of the other housemates that he shared the, the, um, Van Buren, Oh, it was Van Buren's estate that yeah. he was at, um, mm-hmm. in Kinderhook or near K- Kinderhook was a spindly, school school guy school teacher um and that more than likely that was the the uh, basis for the character of Vicabot Green as well mm-hmm. yeah. yeah can i can i talk about yeah one? please do okay i got a i got a story so so i think the idea behind this is as much about one th- what i was trying to do anyway was track the origin of headless ghosts and mm-hmm. i didn't have the time so yeah. there there's uh there's headless ghost stories in basically every uh country uh continent whatever they're, they're they're rife all over the all over the world one of uh one of my favorite one of one one of the ones i want to talk about actually after i'm done reading this thing but that heather wrote uh involves the irish uh do you know what i'm talking about the irish headless ghost
0: the dullahan yeah yeah uh,
1: that that guy's pretty cool yes i i had never Then and now i'm into that uh, oh yeah He's what is the? There's some disturbing aspects yep. to that, too. OK, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a minute, though. So Heather wrote this article. It's into the fray radio And then uh, the story of uh, something or other. Uh, anyway, she writes about this headless ghost outside of uh, St. Louis, Missouri, um, apparently haunts the uh, area. Of the Vulcan Works. the apparition caused quite a ruckus with its antics, and due to the timing of its appearance, was speculated to be the spirit of the recently deceased Samuel Barlow. Barlow was an elderly man who had committed suicide in the neighborhood just a couple of weeks prior. A well-known man in the area, Mr. Barlow was no stranger to misfortune, according to reports, and had long suffered with a painful illness. He had been in such a dire state, both physically and emotionally, that this was his second attempt on his life. News of his death was certainly upsetting, but it was not surprising. Due to the recent tragedy, when a headless, armless specter appeared shortly after Barlow's death, locals saw fit to attribute its manifestation to him. The spirit attracted much attention with t- stories of taunting a local firemen and night watchmen, allowing the men to come no closer than 10 to 12 feet, no matter how far they pursued it. Barlow's ghost appeared before a local widow as well, and she was so frightened that she considered moving out of the area. Many others saw the spirit verifying that it was more than just a couple of people witnessing the activity. Some even attempted to shoot at the ghost only to see their bullets pass through it as if it were a cloud. Others still saw a mass of vibrant spook lights emanating from an abandoned house. The light display was so impressive that reports likened it to a midnight revelry. According to newspaper records, this particular neighborhood had an exciting few weeks leading up to the ghost making its appearance. A few days prior to Samuel Barlow committing suicide, a large storing facility burned in the early morning hours. Due to the hundreds of thousands of bushels of grain inside that were lost, in addition to the cost of the building itself, it was estimated the financial loss was somewhere between $500,000 to $800,000. The morning before Barlow took his own life, he spent hours at the river looking over the ruins from the fire. All of the excitement during this time and the news coverage of the fire, suicide, and subsequent hauntings did not sit well with some people, however. The day after the story was published asserting that the ghost at the iron works was that of Samuel Barlow, his son-in-law made sure to write to the paper in order to share his indignation. The newspaper responded by printing a single line to to acknowledge that they were aware of his frustration, frustration, but did not retract anything. Um, Perhaps this goes into the territory of once a story sounds good, the facts don't matter so much. Uh, Anyway, Heather wrote all about this Samuel Barlow story, and it's a cool little local legend, which uh, she she sent me some newspaper articles about headless ghosts. There's quite a few, especially uh, Virginia and Maryland. Cause she sent me two about Virginia or Maryland, Cumberland, Maryland, and I did research on the Cumberland one on Google, little little website called Google, yeah. um, And I turned up others. Is that and, like Ask Jeeves? It's kind of like Duck Duck Go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I found other other uh, newspaper articles and stuff from like the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds detailing ghosts. A lot of them women. Have you noticed hmm.
0: that? No, I mean, if anything, the ones that I were turning up were all sort of these, either soldierish or kind of hunting mm. type figures. Mm. And um, one that I just want to mention real quick was recorded by the Brothers Grimm. You know, in addition to their fairy tale mm. writing, they just recorded folk tales and so forth. And there's a Saxon hunter by the name of Hans Jagen Teufel. Whoa. Wait. Yes. How did you, you even do that? You heard me. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> and when translated into English, Jagenteufel means hunting devil, okay. which is pretty cool as yeah. far as headless figures is concerned. And it, that typically has to do with those who have escaped punishment in their lives, which is to say, you know, criminals who got away with it and are on the lamb through the woods will find Hans Jagenteufel lapping at their heels and they turn around to find this headless hunting figure who's coming up to uh, you know exact revenge and tip the scales of justice once again. So it's a very interesting. It's kind of the uh, the function of a lot of these characters coming out of that time period which is the, they essentially serve as a kind of punisher or a uh, uh, Sort of like with um like Saint Nicholas and Belshnickel. Yeah. Like he does the dirty work, so Saint Nicholas doesn't have to get his hands dirty, but he's gonna be the one who writes the wrong. And that's also the case to a certain degree in the earlier figure that you mentioned, the Dolhan from Ireland. And I don't know if you wanted to get into the the grisly details of the Dullahan.
1: I think we have to. Yeah. So He roams the back roads of rural Ireland collecting the souls of the dead, mm. dresses in black, rides a black horse, which automatically just sounds like the headless horseman. Um, in some stories, he drives a coach, which I actually think is way cooler. Yeah. Because uh, the coach is pulled by six horses. Right. Uh, 666 horses, actually. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That would, that would make no sense. Uh, it's a long coach. Coffins gravestones. here it he comes. The Dullahan's. <laughs> You're just waiting for like an hour while these horses run past. Uh, uh, coffins, gravestones, and bones make up the coach. So mm-hmm. the body of the coach is actually that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Uh, horses gallop so fast their hooves set fire to the hedges. Yes. Along the road. Yes. Again, very cool. Very good. Uh, whichever version it is, the the Okay, how do you say it? Doolahan? Doolahan.
0: Sure. Okay, Dullahan. Dulahan.
1: Hey, here comes the Dullahan down the road now. Uh, the there, you Dullahan, nailed it. The Dullahan carries a whip made of a human spine. Yes. In one hand. To me, that was the detail of details. Yeah. Right there. How can you not love it? I know. <laughs> In his other, he carries his own head. Hmm. It glows, acting as a lantern, which is kind of creepier than a normal... You know jack-o-lantern like mm-hmm. the headless horseman is seen carrying in the fantastic yeah. bing crosby film <laughs> uh he's also known to lash out the eyeballs of anyone who sees him just, that'll just, teach you just a nice guy <laughs> deaths occur whenever he stops riding and calls out a name mm. if you heard him call yours then you'd be the next to die um Reverend John O'Hanlon claimed the Dullahan hand Doolahan only acted as an omen of death for the rich families in the area. Apparently, his coach had no sound as it passed by the road, which was usually how one determined it was one of an otherworldly other character. Uh, he becomes conflated with the Banshee, announcing deaths in prominent Irish families. I never thought of that mm-hmm. connection there. That's a cool... You want to talk about this one a little?
0: Well, there's just the one other detail I wanted to mention is that evidently... In more than one version of the story, the skin on the head Mm. is described as resembling moldy cheese. Oh, yeah. And I just found that interesting that that would come from more than one source, you know, (laughs) like, and it looked like moldy cheese. It's it's pretty wild that that would be the thing people zero in on.
1: He apparently has a fear of gold. Did you read that? Yes,
0: which is bizarre considering going after rich people yes yeah I wasn't quite able to reconcile that whole thing but I did see that that it was a and the idea that it was rich people only that uh, the dolahan would come for
1: some believe that dolahan's origins lie in the sixth century Christian missionaries banned the worship of Crom Dob Dub. Thus, the celtic god of fertility every year he demanded human sacrifices usually created using decapitation once they banned his worship the locals turned him into a terrifying figure that still demanded corpses eventually crom dud fell out of the stories and the horseman became the Doolahan. it's a good one yeah i like it it is i want to i want to see more small town <laughs> monsters presents the Dullahan, <laughs> coming soon <laughs>
0: Yeah, just for the whip scene alone would well, be worth it.
1: The banshee thing is is cool. I, I feel like the the Celtic you know, Irish folklore is is maybe not. I don't know that it gets the the type of play that it should because I think the the characters and creatures that they concoct very memorable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's so it's when you look then uh, throughout that region of the world, you know, there are a lot of these sort of headless stories. Um, Scotland, there are stories from Scotland about <clears throat> soldiers beheaded in battle, and both he and the horse are headless, which I think is a amazing detail. And, of course, that shows up much later on right here in our own backyard when you talk about Rogue's Hollow. Ah, oh, he beat me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a good one. That's a very good one. Uh, Germany has their own headless entities, as we've seen so far, and those, off, those seem to... Correspond to windstorms or natural disasters, and almost a um, in a Mothman sort of precursor, you know, prefiguring the disaster that that figure would show up first. What I found was really strange. However, is that there seems to be uh, a relative lack of stories about headless ghosts in England mm-hmm. which is the last thing you would expect in a certain way I just you know you think of England as ghost central but the the headless ones not so much and one uh writer that I was looking at speculated that that's because um the wa- the majority of the criminals were put to death in England by hanging, hanging. as opposed to having it just chopped clean off
1: yeah they're, they have one. I'm I'm looking. Okay, so I gotta give uh, a reference here too. IcySedgwick.com is where I'm at. Uh, Davies notes that the existence of a single English head English headless horseman who haunted a track in Wiltshire every New Year's Eve, according to local legend, he made a wager to make it home in Sturton from Winkington Market. What are we doing? What are these words? <laughs> In seven minutes, he broke his neck during the race, which apparently explains the headless state of his phantom. There's another one, Ewan. E- Ewan it was also a headless uh, English, Briton. Uh, him and his horse are both headless. Yeah, that's the Scotland guy. That's the Scotland guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew that. I was, I, yeah. <laughs> All right, moving moving right along. <laughs> now, the, the, you mentioned Rogue's Hollow. Rogue's mm-hmm. Hollows is said to be a headless horse, headless horse there's no t in horse <laughs> uh yet uh he's the worst head, that head horse. headless horse uh <laughs> ridden by the devil himself yes if i'm not mistaken which you might have more info on that one but no
0: i really i stayed away from rogues hollow on okay. purpose all right it's too scary too yeah
1: too disturbing too much
0: so um, I guess th- that can bring us back around then to Sleepy Hollow for a little bit. If there's anything else that you want to say there, I, the one thing I wanted to mention is that, you know, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow was written in 1820, which is approximately 42 years after the Revolutionary War and eight years after 1812. Mm-hmm. So in the, the sort of the general memory of the population, there was still the sort of recovery and dread from the war. And that plays into this story a little bit that you know within the the living memory of many of the people living around Terrytown and Kinderhook and so forth was a lot of old colonial violence uh, the The people had experienced that, and to some degree we're still experiencing that further west so that's sort of the the dark backdrop to the more civilized sort of social gatherings and trying to make a go of uh, a more um you know civilized urbane existence there in new york and it but behind it all is still the sense that it, at any moment things could really go bad and you could be head face to face with a headless character or death could swoop down and claim your family you know through any number of means uh, violence disease well, and I so mean, on and so forth th-
1: th- some of this has to be when you go to that area there there's something just it's a strange area it's a strange place have mm-hmm. you have you been to like well you've been to Kinderhook
0: Kinderhook yeah
1: but like Kinderhook K- Kinderhook feels very new england mm-hmm. but but sleepy hollow itself um the the old dutch church the the manor across the street all that the, the when irving was writing the 17 something 90 some late 1700s right it's the late 1700s when he w- writes The Legend w- of Sleepy Hollow.
0: Maybe when he started working on it. It was okay. published in
1: 1820. Okay. Mm, yeah. Ignore me. <laughs> when he writes the book in the early 1800s, <laughs> uh, even at that point in time, that old Dutch church is like 200 years old. Yeah, I mean, so even in the 1800s, that's an old, in American terms, that's an old place. Like with a history, mm-hmm. you know, I think some of that has to inform the character and he's also pulling from all this folklore definitely the Doolahan especially seems like it would have been mm-hmm. in there but the Grimm's the stuff, Grimm stuff's probably a part of his
0: I'm sure yeah as well Yeah. Yeah. and then as you were saying the the you know the deep history of that church was actually a part of the story about the Hessian soldier because he was evidently buried there
1: mm-hmm.
0: after he was yes hit by the cannonball
1: when you go there Today at um, Halloween time the the headless horseman actually rides out of the graveyard Wow, which is really cool because that graveyard is creepy and i I don't know if I've told it on the show have I told the show the story about Tommy and katrina's grave i don't know so van Van Tassel is like a prominent family in the book mm-hmm. and and obviously in the movie he's you know like Johnny Depp falls in love with Katrina, <laughs> van Tassel. but um the Katrina Van Tassel was a real person and that was the grave. I was trying to find when we were there, we went to the old Dutch church and unfortunately we, we didn't realize they closed the graveyard at like five o'clock. Hmm. And so we're there at four 30 is when we roll on ah. there. It's four 30 and they're closing in a half hour. And I want to see the church and like try to find her grave. We look all around. I can't find her grave. And Tommy's two at this point. And Adrian and I are down by the church and Tommy takes off at a dead sprint through this graveyard with hundreds of graves. I don't, it's a huge graveyard mm-hmm. and Tommy runs off and we're running after him. And then he just comes to a dead stop in front of this grave and goes, what's she doing there? And I come up and look down and it's Katrina Van Tassel. <laughs> so we had wow. our own like weird little wow, wow. Epi- episode in the, at the old Dutch yeah. church graveyard. And I thought that was super cool. That's
0: amazing. Was, yeah with no time to waste either i mean yeah no It was
1: uh, yeah we probably wouldn't have found it otherwise because it it was also raining i mean it was like the perfect kind of like weather to be there it was overcast and raining did you get
0: a picture of the gravestone or anything
1: yeah and i should have all that yeah Um, it was on our way up to to maine okay second time we did the international cryptozoology conference wow um but yeah we had our own experience there that i like to think was kind of weird
0: that is that is really unusual
1: yeah and i mean the history of that place is really mind-blowing i mean that church was constructed in like 1606 or something Mm -hmm. crazy and those the dates on the graves it's mind-blowing because you're used to in america in the u.s uh you're used to like looking at a grave and seeing you know yeah maybe 1800 or something if like it's an old grave and this is like you know, 15 something, yeah. to 16 something. You might or, see a civil
0: war soldier yeah. or something if yeah. you're lucky, but yeah, that's a whole different story.
1: Yeah. Just the, just the, the history of that place is, and I have to believe that it, it played a role in, you know, the writing of that book. I mean, the, the uh, writing of, um, oh, what's the other one The Rip Van Winkle mm-hmm. there's, we went to this little uh, town one night, um, they had the only mexican restaurant we could find in the area <laughs> we went to this town and it turned out it's where the character of Rit van winkle oh, was supposed to be from or something because really? they actually had a statue of him outside oh of the, my the library there
0: he's like waking up like now, i think he might be sleeping <laughs> okay but i know i took a picture of that too, mm-hmm. and
1: that's the same week that we you know went to the graveyard and all that but wow yeah there's there's um can i can i read two of these newspaper articles just because i want to sure that heather had sent me
0: how yeah. are we doing on time because i've got a story that i want to tell
1: oh perfect minutes okay. we're good
0: no we're good yeah
1: do you want to go through yours first and then I'll okay do whatever i can all
0: right line. well this is you know lest we think that headless in the united states headless ghosts and figures are confined to the northeast this is a story from old texas Ooh. way down south it's the sordid tale of el muerto mm-hmm. naturally of course course and it's all gets started it's a story of the texas rangers so it's this rough and tumble time in um, texas history 1850 Uh, two of the texas rangers creed taylor and bigfoot wallace which is amazing yeah and it only just hit me looking into this story to get ready for this that we there's a bigfoot like real person and folkloric character who existed well like a century before jerry crew mm-hmm. so the the yeah. term bigfoot existed you know well that if in you, advance if
1: you do archival research and go prior to 1950 that is you're either finding that or there's also some sort of native american connection to the term mm. bigfoot mm-hmm. as well yeah it doesn't have anything to do with hairy primates
0: right yeah so to really quickly go through this in south texas there was a cattle rustler uh known only as Vidal, which is sort of an exotic cattle rustler name. You know, I wouldn't expect that. But he unwittingly stole some of Creed Taylor's prize Mustangs. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. So Taylor got Bigfoot Wallace and some other um, mercenary, more mercenary types, and they located Vidal, beheaded Vidal, and they proceeded to secure his torso— to the pony that he was riding. Oh wow. Then they attached the head with sombrero on top to a long leather strap, which they then attached to the saddle and let his head sort of flap around. Wow. Sent the horse out into the surrounding countryside where as you could imagine as people started to see this strange figure riding past their towns and camps, started telling stories about a headless ghost riding its way through the desert mm-hmm. and it became known as el muerto or you know mr death yeah. riding around um stories began to abound the local ranchers finally found the wild pony with the dried up corpse sitting on top riddled with bullet holes <laughs> and stuck through with all manner of arrows So people had seen it and just didn't, you know, they reacted as you would imagine in the Old West. And um, But once all that was taken care of, uh, the stories only continued and continue to this day. Um, There are documented reports from 1917 and middle of the 20th century of people in South Texas seeing the headless rider Riding across the desert. Uh,
1: Heather sent me one that I I really enjoyed Headless Woman's Ghost. And this is an actual newspaper article. Um, I don't have the date in front of me, but uh, this is probably late 1800s, early 1900s. Trainmen on the Baltimore and Ohio, West Virginia Central Railroads employed near Cumberland, Maryland were recently frightened by the shape of a headless woman that makes her appearance at Greenway's siding near 21st Bridge between Cumberland and Kaiser, West Virginia. Freight trains are sidetracked there, and when the train men are waiting, a headless woman emerges from an old culvert or bridge and walks up and down the track. Whenever any of the men attempt to follow her, she disappears. One railroad man was so badly frightened that he left the service of the road. Others say that if the headless woman keeps up her antics they too will quit one railroad man whose reputation for truth has never been questioned says that a few nights ago he crawled under the locomotive to avoid seeing this headless object the men declare that the ghost can be seen almost nightly the other two uh train the other night the other night two train men on the baltimore and ohio who live in cumberland were frightened by the specter and went to work the next morning with great reluctance <laughs> Um, there's another one midnight apparition that has troubled Mrs. Smith of Philadelphia. Again, older newspaper article, Philadelphia, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, a young married couple of Camden, New Jersey have been troubled for some time past by the visitation of a headless ghost. Midnight is the usual hour for his visits. And like a well-bred spirit, he has been polite enough to signify his presence by touching Mrs. Smith on the arm. And after awakening her glide silently out of the room. The same performance continued to be repeated at irregular intervals during the next three months until the young wife became utterly prostrated prostrated, with <laughs> nervousness and husband to move from the house. Uh, Mr. Smith felt firmly convinced that his wife was the victim of an optical delusion and could not be made to believe otherwise. On la- last Tuesday night, however, he was unpleasantly convinced to the contrary. It was a bright moonlight night, and the rays streamed into the bedroom so brightly that the gas was not lighted. Sometime near midnight, Mr. Smith was startled from a sound sleep by his wife uttering a piercing scream. He started up in bed and says he could dimly see the figure of a man standing near a door. Leaping from the bed in an instant with no other idea than that it was a being of flesh and blood, he aimed a powerful plow at the intruder. I would think blow, but it says plow. Uh, like a well-regulated ghost, this specter immediately vanished. Mister Smith then lighted the lamp, and together with his trembling wife, made an immediate and thorough search of the house. Every door and window was found to be locked, and nobody was found on the premises. Again, I don't have a date on this one. It just this headless ghost. It's older, though. I I would think early nineteen hundreds on that one. We got ghosts. We got headless ghosts. They're everywhere. They're all around us. <laughs> do you wanna? Do you have any other headless ghost talk? Uh, <laughs> Andy's given us that. Well, yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Well, the the railroad one reminded me of some type of story that I've heard, mm-hmm. more in the realm of the spook light, but that it has to do with, um, like along railroad tracks, mystery lights are spotted, and the story is that it's a conductor or engineer that got off to check the tracks and lost their head. Yeah. Or that's a really body part.
1: And and when you see the lights going up, they're they're trying to find. Yeah. Their, their missing head. That is uh, there's multiple spook light stories that have that same origin story. Mm-hmm. I think there's a I think even the brown mountain lights have a story that involves a headless deca- you know some sort of decapitation mm-hmm. event. So it's very common. Headless ghosts all around us, watch your back. If you're a fan of this show, you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, you can also, if you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. Leave it a comment that isn't horrendous. Um, and you can send us mail at monsteropolismail@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, you can watch the show right now. You probably are. Uh, there's more people watching the show at this point than there are listening. So that's saying something. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, watch, watch everything on the YouTube channel. Listen to all previous episodes and uh, leave us uh, <laughs> lovely mails so we can talk about that, too. Heather will be back next week, no fears Actually, next week's episode Will probably be Heather and I Recording from Colorado That should be what is happening Rocky Mountain High Yeah, for sure, Rocky Mountain High That was what I was going to say Alright, we'll be back